You're listening to the Illinois Farm Talk Podcast. Here are your hosts, Ben and Arthur. Show up to your legislator's office, pick up the phone and call them, send in your checks, and help us move the ball across the goal line. Because let me tell you folks, 2020 is going to be a big year. We've got a lot of momentum behind us, and we're going to keep pushing hard until we get pharmacy where it needs to be. Hello, I am Ben Calcaterra, and I am here with Garth Reynolds. We are here to bring you the next episode of Illinois Farm Talk, brought to you by the Law Office of Joseph J. Bogdan. In this episode, we'll learn about the new policies passed in the House of Delegates and what's going on with veto session. Let's just get right into it. Hello, Garth. Hello, Ben. So during the 2019 IPHA conference, we had our annual House of Delegates meeting. And during that meeting, we had some new policies that were brought to the floor. Some great deliberations, uh, new ideas came out, and always the the best of grammatical wordsmithing appeared. Uh, We had a good conference and a good House meeting, and I think we had some some really good policies that, that came about. Don't you think, Garth? Absolutely. I think this takes, um, definitely helps guide the association definitely within the next year and for years to come. Yes. And one of the policies that they talked about was the pharmacist and pharmacy personnel well-being and resilience. And if you remember in not the live episode, but the episode before, we talked about the uh, well-being and resilience among the pharmacist workforce, the the conference that, that you attended, Garth. And we brought back a lot of those points from that conference and put them into a into a policy so that we could mirror the APHA policy. And this rotates right around the core of the well-being and mental health of pharmacists and pharmacy workers, uh, technicians, and support staff, and anybody that's that's supporting the, the pharmacy. So it's something that's really getting a lot of important focus on right now is, is the health and well-being of pharmacists and, and pharmacy support staff. And, you know, as, as we talk about things, but, I know that we always talk about the PBMs in, in every single episode. We Something comes up about them, and I bet you we talk about them later today, too. But these issues that we have right now, it's it's not like going to work in the pharmacy 20 years ago. And we come to work, we have issues every single day. Every pharmacy owner is worried that they're going to make it. And are they going to close by the end of the year? We're seeing pharmacies closed left and right. And this is this is a stressful time to be a pharmacist. And it's a stressful time to be around the pharmacy practice. And this policy that that came forth is really focusing on how to come out of that environment and put the focus back on the health and well-being of the pharmacist and their support staff. Right, Garth? Absolutely. And 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 you really hit on it that this is a this is a paramount topic right now. We'll be talking about some of these issues related to pharmacy wellness and resilience as we um, get to um, areas concerning the task force report. But this policy really does help establish 
guidance for the association as we start to address these issues on a larger profession-wide scale now. And I'm glad that we're starting to take this seriously, that we're not just shoving things along and just passing it along, putting our fingers in our ears as managers and owners and saying, yes, we do have to make sure that our pharmacists do have some rest time, that they do have ability to have a lunch. Are they properly staffed? And making sure that we're doing the best things that we can, but as we've always said, we have to take the vice grip that's on the profession right now that is almost squeezed completely closed, and that's being squeezed on by the PBMs. Yes, you're right, Garth. Uh, the PBMs do have a, a tight grip on the practice right now, the the whole healthcare system, in fact. And I know this also touches into the study that the APHA had a hand in putting out to assess the well-being, the mental health of not only pharmacists and support staff, but also other healthcare workers. Uh, and and you know, eventually we'll get that data back to see how that relates and and how the mental health of the whole healthcare profession is doing, but I think we're all in the same boat here. We're, we're all having issues. Um, so that was one policy. And, and if any of our listeners would like to to read the entire policy um, of, of any of these policies we're about to talk about, you can go to the website, IPHA.org. And if any of our listeners would like to read a full description of the policies that were passed at this year's House of Delegates, we'll have up on our website, IPHA.org, a summary of these bills uh, so that you can go read in full. So we're not going to read the whole whole policy here. There's a lot of words here. Uh, we'll just touch on them, but but you feel free to go read them uh, if, if you can. Uh, the, one of the next policies is the diabetes support footwear and custom inserts that was passed and and this is to support pharmacists to be able within their scope of practice to provide therapeutic diabetic footwear and custom inserts which I think was a fabulous motion that was brought forward um, you know basically it's saying the house and the association supports the ability for a pharmacist to provide diabetic footwear and custom inserts because it's within their scope of practice. And I think it's important to remember uh, that pharmacists have a wide scope of practice. It's one thing that we're really fighting for right now is, is going for provider status in all the different areas of healthcare that we can have our hand in and we should have our hand in, uh, making sure that, that we show our full ability to be a pharmacist. You're correct, Ben. I'm really glad that this idea got brought forward. This has been a very vague issue in the Pharmacy Practice Act for a number of years, and some of our pharmacy owners have been hesitant to expand into this area, which is rightfully within our scope. And I'm glad that Regional Delegate um, Michelle Dyer brought this forward and helped address this before the House, and that we now have this as part of our policy in an area that probably should have been in there a very long time ago. Yes, and the next bill um, is one that we talk about all the time. I've already mentioned it once. We're going to mention it again. Uh, the next bill is one of very many policies that have been passed over the years uh, from various different degrees of scrutiny. Uh, but it's another one uh, expressing the sentiment of, of the House for the 
practices of the PBMs against pharmacy, and and uh, this goes without saying. I think we could probably all read this before you even open the document as far as what it's going to say. But let's just let's just read this paragraph. The Illinois Pharmacists Association denounces the abusive and monopolistic business practices of pharmacy benefit managers or PBMs, including but not limited to lack of transparency. Arbitrary direct and indirect remuneration, or DIR fees, copay clawbacks, contractual gag clauses, exorbitant spread pricing, manufacturer rebates in exchange for formulary exclusions, required mail order prescriptions, patient steering, deceptive and scare tactic marketing tools, and pharmacy network exclusions. The IPHA believes these practices are unethical and detrimental to patient care, drive up taxpayer and healthcare costs, and forcefully eliminate business competition. The IPHA strongly supports legislation regulating PBMs and eliminating these egregious practices. This one um, is is very to the point. It is all inclusive and takes parts of different policies that we've had over the years talking about what the PBMs are doing and how they have progressed and, and kind of rolled it all up into one, one hard-hitting policy. And I, I, I really like how it's worded. Uh, it doesn't hold back, and it, it, it gets the job done. I agree with you, Ben. This really kind of just lays it on the line and says, we've had enough. And we are going to be standing up not only for our profession, but for our patients. And this, these actions are destroying the profession. There is a systematic and strategic approach to how these tools and business practices are being utilized. And we have to do everything we can within our advocacy and lobbying power to make sure that we stand up for not only the profession, but most importantly, the, our patients. And let's remind our listeners, if you haven't been to a House of Delegates, if, if you are unfamiliar with what the policymaking procedures are surrounding the House of Delegates, the whole purpose is to provide a policy that the membership is voting on by proxy through their representative, which shows up at the House of Delegates to cast their vote on behalf of their region, uh, their delegation, or maybe on behalf of themselves, depending on what office they have or do hold. These delegates uh, vote on policies that are then added to the book of policies in aggregate. So these policies come around to guide Garth and the board of directors and the association as a whole on the day-to-day advocacy efforts. Anything that they or we as an association are out talking about, projecting, doing on behalf of the association, those issues are determined, how we respond to those issues are determined by the voting of the House of Delegates and what the policy is in place by those votes. So when we talk about this policy on the PBMs and the practices uh, of, of the PBMs, it is saying that IPHA denounces the practices of the PBMs. Well, it's, it's not a, a bill at, in Springfield that's going to all of a sudden make something happen. No, that's not what's going on. This is the membership of IPHA telling the board and Garth and the association, 
when a question comes up, this is how we want you to respond. So we finally have in place a very hard-hitting policy saying, if a bill comes up in Springfield and it says, how do you want to handle the PBMs? We have our answer. This is what the membership has spoken to. They have stood up. They have put their foot down and said, we want our association to stand strong against the PBMs. Exactly, Ben. This, these policies that are developed by the House of Delegates and that go back to the early 70s are really the guiding documents of the association. It is the embodiment of the voice of the membership and of the profession throughout Illinois and continues to guide us on a daily basis, as Ben said. When legislation comes about, when policies come about, when new ideas and new endeavors in the profession come, we look back at the policies before to give us a guidance in how we are to respond in the best interest of our membership. So if this interests you, if you want to have a voice to guide the association, if you want to stand up and say, I believe the association should and you want to fill in that blank, ask how to be a delegate. Come to the conference, sit in on the House of Delegates, cast your vote, put up a policy, stand up and say, I want this association to do anything you want it to do. Let us take a vote. Let us let you be heard. That's what this is about. We want to hear from our membership, and this is exactly how it's done. So these are the main three policies uh, that, that we put forward. If you want to, again, read the full wording uh, or, or read more about what these policies were, we'll have a link up on the website. Again, it's IPHA.org. And uh, it, it, was, it was a great House of Delegates. I was really happy about it. Not to mention it was my first time running the House of Delegates. So that I'm a little biased, I would say. Uh, so nothing against me there. But it went well. I, I, I think it was a good time. So anyhow, House of Delegates. Um, so I think it's, it's a good time to take a little bit of a break here. Uh, we will come back on the other side and hear about the veto session and what is moving and what is not. So let's hear from our sponsor, the Law Office of Joseph J. Bogdan. We'll be right back on the other side. Joseph J. Bogdan, or Jay, is a pharmacist and an attorney. He received his PharmD from the University of Illinois and was a chief pharmacy prosecutor with the Illinois Department of Professional Regulation and has now been in his current practice for 20 years. Jay is an active member with the Illinois Pharmacists Association and currently serves as a regional director on the board of directors. If you are a pharmacy technician, pharmacist, or pharmacy owner who has been contacted or accused of a legal violation by the state board, DEA, PBMs, or any other agency, contact Jay at 630-310-1267. You can call a lawyer or you can call a lawyer who knows pharmacy because he is one of you. You can find more information about the Law Office of Joseph J. Bogdan on their website at www.jjblawoffice.com or call 630-310-1267. Again, 630-310-1267. 
Okay, welcome back, and uh, thank you again for the sponsorship from the law office of Joseph J. Bogdan. If you need some legal help, especially pharmacy-style legal help, give his office a call. And, uh, you know, we we were just talking about our internal policies with the House of Delegates, and now, you know, we have some external policy making that, that we'd like to talk about. We are smack in the middle of veto session. We've got some, some movement on some issues. We've got some stalling on some issues. Issues, so let's just dig right in there. Um, for those who don't know, veto session is the end run for the legislative session. It's kind of like the Hail Mary to get something passed that, that, you know, you've got your last chance effort. And that's right where we are. So we have, I believe, uh, Garth, had three days left to veto. That's correct. Three days. Three days left to move whatever needs to move. So, so Garth, give us a little bit of detail about veto. How, how long is it? Why is it there? What, what do we have to look forward to? Um, veto session, what is it? Veto session is traditionally three, um, excuse me, two periods of three days, usually in late October and early November in a non-election year. In an election year, it is one week prior to Thanksgiving and a week in early December. And it is, again, it's two weeks of just three days of session, so six total session days. And they are designed to address any bills that have been vetoed by the governor. But as we know, when the General Assembly is in session, any bill that is activated in that session and even new legislation can be moved. And so we do see that that our veto sessions are very active as compared to other states. And particularly with the two main bills that we're going to be discussing in today's episode. As if politics weren't confusing enough, we've got, you, you know, you can't just have veto session. You've got to have veto session in a non-election year and veto session in an election year. And it's got to be different. That, that's just politics, isn't it? So um, let's get into the first bill here. We've got Senate Bill 667, Andy Menard's insulin bill. It has, uh, it, it moves super fast out of the Senate and uh, it's sent, sent over to the House. So we're waiting for the House to deliberate on that one. Garth, give us an update. What 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 is Senate Bill 667, the insulin bill, Andy Menard? Tell us all about it. Yes, uh, we did talk about briefly, probably in the late session or early summer episodes about Senate Bill 667. It is a s- initiative by Senator Andy Menard. He introduced this on the very last weaning days or of the uh, spring session. It is mirroring legislation that passed in Colorado earlier this year, looking at out-of-pocket expense for insulin. And this bill would cap a patient's out-of-pocket cost to $100 per month for their prescription insulin drug products. And it states that the insurance companies would have to cover the amount that um, a patient would receive within a 30-day period, as long as it's a prescription insulin drug. And as Ben said, it did move swiftly through the Senate. It, it actually had very little, if no opposition. Uh, 48 senators voted for it and only seven were against it. Um, a lot of bipartisan support whenever you're getting up in that upper 40s range. And we were glad to see a lot of our legislative friends um, 
that are that are attaching themselves to this bill and seeing that it is a good bill for the citizens of Illinois because as we know patients with diabetes are sometimes being held economically and financially hostage by insurance companies and being financially punished because they have a, a disorder and a health condition that they have no control over if they wanted to get rid of it they would um, but we shouldn't be punishing them financially because of the health conditions that they have. I only wish that this bill could go farther and not only help the citizens of Illinois, but still yet reach those patients that we can't touch on the federal level with Medicare Part D, our senior citizens. Uh, you know, the, the bills that we're passing at the state obviously can't affect a national level. It's, it's just statewide projects. And, and I wish that we had the ability to help those patients also. And I agree with you, Ben. And that's one thing we have to remind our listeners, too. This bill, just like any of our PBM legislation, is limited to only plans that the state actually can regulate. That limits it to state employee plan, the state retiree plan, and those private insurance plans that are not considered to be self-insured. Because as we've talked many times on on this show, that any of the self-insured plans are covered under federal legislation under ERISA. And so it continues to be in that blockade of ERISA and that huge block of insurance companies that we still can't touch with any of our state oversight with the Department of Insurance. So that's something that we continue to advocate on a national level that needs severe reform. So this still will help many patients with diabetes throughout Illinois. So um, not only does Senate Bill 667 help insulin capping with the co-pays and, and making sure people can have a better chance at affording their insulin, the bill also has some added benefits for our, our favor, doesn't it, Garth? Yes, that's correct. Um, the bill would authorize the attorney general to investigate in a one-year investigation into the reasons why insulin prices continue to go up and looking at the barriers that patients have in accessing them as well. So this is really great for our cause because it allows the attorney general to start digging in, pulling off the duct tape, looking into the shadows and the corners where the PBMs are lurking and showing what they're actually doing that have actually had a direct impact on rising health care costs and financially burdening patients unnecessarily for their own or their own bottom line gains. And speaking of burdening people unnecessarily, let's move right into House Bill 1270, which is the Pharmacy Practice Act Renewal Bill. This is a bill that comes directly from the Collaborative Pharmaceutical Task Force that has been meeting over the past few years. That task force was put together as a result of um, the issues that were brought forth from the Chicago Tribune article that we unfortunately had to deal with a few years ago, talking about pharmacists and pharmacies that were not having the ability to step aside and effectively counsel patients. Now, we all know our own issues that we have with having to deal with reimbursement limitations and directly contributing to lack of staffing and lack of time. Um, We have some chains out there that have metrics that 
are burdening our pharmacists from providing care effectively. So the Collaborative Pharmaceutical Task Force has been meeting to address those concerns. And those concerns have been put together. We've got some recommendations. Those recommendations have been been put into House Bill 1270. So Garth, there's a lot to chew on here. Let's let's start with the Collaborative Pharmaceutical Task Force and what they've been talking about and what the recommendations are. Yes, the Collaborative Pharmaceutical Task Force, and we've talked about the task force from time to time on this show, and... And we've talked about the task force from time to time on this show, and it addressed was charged with addressing 16 issues that um, came out of the discussions, deliberations, has been mentioned from the Chicago Tribune article and the mandation ma- mandating of patient counseling. And those included looking at whistleblower protections, how many pharmacists should be on duty at a time, should we have prescription quotas, mandatory lunches and breaks, should there be a mandatory break room in pharmacies, should there be a maximum number of hours that pharmacists work. And then we expanded into additional areas such as looking at electronic um, prescription and automated refills, also looking at our technicians and trying to find ways of redefining the tasks that our technicians can do to help with spreading out the workload and and we also expanded and re <clears throat> we also reexamined um, how we're looking at pharmacy technicians specifically in way in the tasks that we allow them to do, and seeing if there's ways that we can utilize our technicians more efficiently in the delivery of patient care. And finally, we we're looking at recommendations of that we need to go one step further with this task force because of all the recommendations that the task force came out with, we weren't able to address the root cause. And a lot of that has to do with the compensation modeling that we have in the state when it comes both the product side and when it also comes to the patient care side. And we've talked at length about that, but we do recognize and task force recognizes that this is a root cause of a lot of the issues that pharmacists are experiencing today. So when we looked at House Bill 1270, House Bill 1270 is currently um, on the floor of the House. It did get out of House health care licenses. And would extend the Pharmacy Practice Act for an additional three years. And it had a number of the recommendations, the positive recommendations that the task force had in, in, in our final report. And that includes mandatory lunches and breaks. It also states that, um, that there shall be a, that pharmacists shall not work more than 12 hours at any given shift. It also states that, um, that pharmacists will need to assist patients with um, verifying each medication when it comes to an auto refill uh, program, that um, technicians will be uh, allowed to do any duties that they are trained to uh, beyond the three mandatory items that, and tasks that they cannot do. And that's exactly what they are now. We're just reiterating re, um, it that they cannot counsel, they cannot perform DUR, and they cannot perform. Uh, clinical resolution. So anything beyond that, as long as a technician is properly trained, they can assist a pharmacist in the duties of patient care. 
So all of these recommendations come from the task force. They were meant to be taken together to be put into a bill or to be put into the actual Practice Act renewal so that all of the recommendations could be um, put to use to make the pharmacy world a better place. So all the players in the task force that came together over the course of, what, two whole years, practically, they met continuously. Everybody was on the same page. And when we have something like this, they all vote. Everybody is in agreement, and then it moves out easily. Right, Garth? I mean, that that's what always happens. All the players are all in agreement, and when it moves into the bill, we should have no opposition, right? Well, that would be in a perfect world, but unfortunately, we're in the world of Illinois politics. And currently, in this situation, we're, we're not at a, at a, a complete agreement. Um, even though the entire report was agreed to, by the entire task force, regardless of our individual votes for or against various measures, the entire report was agreed to by the task force. And that's something to remember. So again, House Bill 1270 in its current form would extend the Practice Act to 2023. And that's the biggest thing to remember right now. And the reason why we focused on describing veto session We have just three days left now out of our original six to pass this bill. And if we don't pass it, the Practice Act is scheduled to expire on January 1 of 2020. Let's repeat that, Garth. Did you just say the Practice Act is going to expire? Yes. As we went through the various versions of of authorizing the task force and where we were, back in 2017, the Practice Act was scheduled and poised to be able to be renewed for its decade renewal. Well, because of the issues in the Chicago Tribune and some of the other political matters that arisen at that time, um, we only were extending the act for two years. And that's where we are right now. So this is why this session is so important and it be able to get the Practice Act across the line and get it renewed. And in this case, House Bill 1270 is wanting to renew it for three additional years. And it was also thought at this time that we want to take the, the hard work that the task force has done for over 18 months, meeting every month and deliberating. And some of these discussions were very difficult and trying to help establish um, some some language to address the well-being issues that we talked about earlier. And this doesn't get everything in the task force report into the bill, but it's a good start. And it's things that I think really all these pieces have to go forward because it's addressing that pharmacists should be allowed to have a break. That's nothing that we've ever addressed before. And I, I think it's it's unfortunate that we've had to get to this point to put a labor provision in our Professional Practice Act, but here we are. That pharmacists are due a 30-minute lunch and are due a 15-minute break if they work um, up to eight hours. And if they work a full 12 hours, they get an additional 15-minute break. That we're going to make sure and ensure as much as we possibly can that these breaks are uninterrupted. And that we're also going to be promoting a work environment for all pharmacy personnel that protects the health, safety, and welfare of a patient. 
that we're going to make sure that pharmacists no longer are working more than 12 hours in a shift. And this recommendation of a 12-hour limit is based on industry standardized reports that show and studied the, the impact of an overloaded workforce and made the recommendations that maintain a, a patient safety and efficacy and delivery of care. And that's nothing to take lightly. I know a lot of people think a lot of these recommendations were made just by throwing numbers out there. And I think initially some of these recommendations that were put into certain bills were just numbers out of thin air. But when the task force deliberated, we brought in experts from across the country to testify on the current issues impacting the profession and the best recommendations that they felt were needed this time. And that's where the task force deliberated and compromised and came out with our final report. Now, again, this, our rec this current bill does not address everything that was in the task force report, but it is a start. And the things that are mentioned here must be moved forward to help establish a new tomorrow and moving forward with a betterment for pharmacy practice and for patient safety. Now, let's just wrap our heads around this for a minute. The task force meets, they deliberate. We have evidence-based numbers that have come forward to make the recommendations that have been, been published, basically. And all the players agree, but now we have dissension in the ranks from players that are involved in pharmacy, Okay, Let, let's let's remember this, listeners. We have players on this task force that are all involved in various uh, areas of pharmacy in the state of Illinois. And what's going to happen because it was agreed and moved into a bill and now we have dissension, we're going to lose our Pharmacy Practice Act. I mean, let's let's think about what could happen if we go into work tomorrow and we don't have a Pharmacy Practice Act to say, we can practice pharmacy. Can we think about that? Wrap our heads around that for a minute. So we have pharmacy players that actually have not thought this through enough to say, hey, we want to protect our pharmacists, but by doing so, we're going to remove your ability to be pharmacists. And I think, I think that's something that is a bit understated here, that we need to remember that not only... Not only did this task force meet and approve and all come together and compromise to the task force recommendations that's been published, but it was also to further the Practice Act so that we can continue to practice, which may not happen now. And I'm not taking the opposition from one particular group lightly. I understand where they're coming from and their opinion, um, particularly where we're, we're um, hitting a crossroads is on the 12 hour work limit. And it's being um, proposed to go down to an eight hour work limit, which was one of the original ideas that the task force was asked to address. And um, like I said earlier, there was many reasons why the task force decided not to recommend that. We actually had a specific vote on whether we would approve or recommend an eight hour maximum work limit. And we defeated, the task force defeated that motion. 
And it was the motion that passed was stating that the task force believed that a 12-hour limit would suffice to maintain proper patient safety in the state. And I did say that a lot of that information was based off of um, information provided to the task force and not, and from industry-wide um, reports and studies. With the issues of looking at an eight-hour maximum work shift, uh, we've talked about some of the um, additional barriers that weren't addressed from the task force. And a lot of that has to go back to the PBMs and on our reimbursement modeling. Right now, a lot of pharmacies can't afford that type of a situation of um, paying multiple pharmacists to come in during their normal operation hours. And in some areas of the state, we're afraid if we go down to this type of a situation of an eight-hour max, that some pharmacies would elect to shrink their operation hours, which then decreases access. So again, we're punishing patients, and we're supposed to be improving patient safety and patient access. And we want to make sure that we have a sustainable practice, too. And the concerns that we have with the current um, pressures on the profession is if we start going to an eight-hour work limit, we may also may be looking at other economic impacts upon pharmacy personnel that have not been thoroughly thought about by all parties at this time. So there's a lot to digest. There's a lot going on. This bill is integral and we only have three days to, you know, put it back on the tracks and, and, and keep the train moving. So please, uh, uh, I know by the time we publish this, it's going to be said and done. There's no way I'm I'm getting this thing on the air in three days. So uh, by the time you hear this, you'll know the outcome. And I sure hope we have a Pharmacy Practice Act in 2020 to keep, uh, keep doing what we do best. So um, anyway, with that, Garth, any other veto session bills that we have to worry about? Not at this time but there are three days left in veto session. Anything can happen. That's Illinois for you. Anything can happen. Exactly. So as we've been doing lately and will continue to do, kind of as a new tradition for the podcast show, we're going to end each show asking for your support. We need advocacy funds. We need donations. What is going on with the state is integral to continuing the practice of pharmacy in the state of Illinois. And it's not cheap, people. We have a lot to do. We have a lot of, of movement to get. We have consultants uh, going out there doing the work of the association and of the pharmacies and of the profession itself across the state. We need your help to keep the momentum going. So please, if you haven't, or even if you have, please consider again, donate to the Advocacy Fund. We have links on the website. I'll put the link on this page in in the description of our episode. You can call the IPHA office and ask. I guarantee you the first person that picks up the phone will take your money. So please... Ask how to help. We need funds and we need voices. We need boots on the ground. Show up to your legislator's office, pick up the phone and call them, send in your checks, and help us move the ball across the goal line. Because let me tell you, folks, 2020 is going to be a big year. We've got a lot of momentum behind us, and we're going to keep pushing hard until we Get pharmacy where it needs to be. And speaking of boots on the ground, Garth, let's talk about Legislative Day. When is Legislative Day 2020? 
legislative day for next year will be Wednesday, April 22nd at the Capitol. And uh, we'll, just like every year, we'll be over at the uh, Howlett Building and we'll have our um, briefings and then Capitol visits in the afternoon. And if you haven't been to Legislative Day before, give it a shot. It's not as overwhelming as a lot of people think it is. It's a lot of your peers, mostly students, but there are still a lot of your peers that are going to be there. You can network in the morning. You can learn about all the advocacy efforts that's going on. You'll get a brief update on the bills that are happening and moving at that time. Get a great little box lunch, and then you move over and meet your legislator. And a lot of listeners right now, I bet you haven't met your legislator before. I'm sure you've called them on the phone every time we've asked you to, but come on up and put a face to the name. Let them see who you are and give them your views on all of these issues face to face. It means a lot. When they actually see you in their door, they know that you are taking the time out of your business day to come up and do what you feel is right for the profession. It means a lot more than you'd think. So please put it on your calendar today. Garth, one more time, that that date. Wednesday, April 22nd. Wednesday, April 22nd, 2020. Mark it on your calendars. Iron your white coats and have them ready and hanging up for that day. Bring them up and let's have a great legislative day. Biggest turnout we've ever had, 2020. We're going to do it. So I think that's going to be a wrap for now. So uh, thank you, Garth. Thank you, Ben. And thank you to our listeners and our sponsor, the Law Office of Joseph J. Bogdan, for supporting this show. Check back regularly to hear new episodes as we will keep you updated on legislative matters happening around the state. You can find us on the Internet at IPHA.org, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as IL Pharmacist. That's plural with the S, IL Pharmacist. Follow us today to stay in the know. That will do it for this installment of Illinois Farm Talk. Stay tuned for our next chapter as the Voice for Pharmacy in Illinois brings you another edition of Illinois Farm Talk. Thank you for listening to the Illinois Farm Talk podcast. It's late. It's dark. It's cold. My brain doesn't want to work either. And a lot of listeners right now, I bet you haven't met your legislative letters. Uh, a, a bit. Uh, um, um, uh, maybe a bulleted or maybe a, a surmised uh, uh, summary. Um, hmm. Before I do that, do you want to put in a break between House and Vita? Yeah, we probably should, shouldn't we? So, rewind. So, to continue to do what we do, to put forth the effort to continue to... Uh, to, to, to. Speaking of burdening people unnecessarily, let's talk about Pharmacy Practice Act and the task force. <laughs> Sorry, I had, a, I had some tea in my mouth. I shouldn't have done that. Oh, that was good. No, that, keep that in. It's not what you... It's, it's what... Um, 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 what, what anything? No, I think no. you said it all. That's <laughs> you, hit it, you hit it right on. Right? Okay.